I'm your guide Alexa, and welcome to your virtual tour of Prime University. University the Amazon way, where we, work hard, and, have fun. Where we don't so much learn as consume knowledge. We teach classes in all sorts of subjects from A to Z. Before we get on with our tour, a brief history of Prime University. Prime University was founded in 2022. At that time, the world was an uncertain place. The global pandemic had just ended, and universities didn't know what to do next. Welcome to Isolation U, the podcast about living and learning in the age of COVID. The University of Prime might sound far-fetched, but a lot of big thinkers are wondering whether a medieval institution has the agility to survive a year of online learning. Is the value of a university education coming up short against many YouTube offerings? On this episode of Isolation U, has COVID exhausted a university past its prime? Hi, I'm Jamie Humphrey. Hey, I'm Jesse Sonier. By the way, we'll have more of that Amazon Prime University parody you heard off the top later in the show. And our classmate, Lars Schwartz, will drop off to talk about all those big questions about how 2020 has affected the future of university. But, Jamie, I have to ask you straight up. Has this year gotten you excited about the future of learning? Honestly, Jess, no. I need the energy of other people to give me some energy. Yeah, I get that. Seeing all the grumpy students sitting in class makes me feel like I have a reason to be there. I agree. Tell me, Jesse, if this was going to be your first year, would you think of bypassing university? I honestly think I would still go, but it would certainly be something to think about, and it's something universities have to worry about now. After this year, most of them, including Stu, can't really afford to see a big drop in enrollment. Yeah, for sure. And actually, my sister and her friend had to make that decision this year, and I had a chance to talk to them about it. Okay, let's hear from Hannah Callahan and Renee Humphrey. So hi, Hannah and Renee. Thank you both so much for joining our podcast. Hi. Okay, so first, I know both of you had a big decision to make to decide if you wanted to go to school or not this year because of the pandemic. So Renee, you decided to go to university. Why is that? Um, one of the main reasons was I had an entrance scholarship and I was kind of worried that if I took a year off, it still wouldn't be eligible. And I don't think I finished necessarily all the courses I was required to, but they still accepted me. So I was kind of worried that if I took a year off, I wouldn't be able to get in and I'd have to go back and complete courses. But I also just kind of wanted to get it over with. And Hannah, you decided to take a year off. Why is that? Um, I think even like without the pandemic, I was still very undecided. So when COVID hit, it kind of just gave me an excuse to take the year off just because it seemed like everybody else was using that as an excuse too, instead of just like coming to terms with like what you actually feel and think. I also wanted to take the year off too, just because I didn't want to spend a bunch of money like doing something I didn't really want to do or just going to school just because everybody goes to school, you know, and I think I made the right choice just because I was able to um, work obviously and save money and I work now that I work at a hospital it kind of opened up more career paths that I never would have thought to visit like without taking this time off and yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So, like, next year, if it's still online, you'll still attend? Yes, definitely. I think I'll definitely go to school regardless if it's online or in class. Okay. Next month. So, like... Did you ever, like, when you're in your grade 12 year, mm -hmm. did you ever think, hey, I want to go to university, or was it always, I'm not sure? I just started thinking about it, and I would always, like, see it on my fridge, like, see the certificate on my fridge or whatever, and I walk by, I'd walk by it, and I was like, is this really what I want to do? Is this really, like, meant for me? Um, some of my pros were going and getting it over with, um, and then just, like, you know, after the four years over, you can do whatever you want, you can, you can continue to go to school, you can not, whatever. Um, one of my cons was getting stuck in a career I didn't really want to do. Like one, I just thought, oh, okay, this is easy, I can get through this, I can make a decent living afterwards. Which, once I really thought about it, really kind of scared me, because I was like, am I just settling for something I think I want? Um, I would have had to take out loans eventually. So I just was like, why not take this time as like an opportunity to save money, which I have, so yeah. Okay, so Renee, do you want to give me like a step-by-step, -step, like everything you did to prepare for your first year of university and kind of what um, made you decide to go? Like your kind of pros and cons, like what did you look at? Yeah, so during May to June, I decided to take an intercession course just to kind of prepare myself to see like, oh, will I be able to handle online? Like, what's it going to be like? So by doing that, I got to get like uh, my hands on like the Moodle and stuff and like all like the programs they use for online. So I got to get used to that pretty early. Um, I got used to the idea of like teaching myself a course. Um, and like handling myself rather than like being able to talk to a professor all day or like classmates all day. So I feel like doing that kind of helped ease my way in. So when I didn't, so when I went in September, it wasn't like it's just a big shock to me. Now, do you think um, tuition should be going down instead of up? Like, do you think students should be paying this much money for online? I do think tuition should be um, way less expensive than it is right now. I find it kind of ridiculous that it happened to go up at all during a pandemic and I think that is like a huge factor affecting people that wanted to go like maybe they were willing to do online but they just couldn't afford it and they weren't willing to pay that much. And how are your courses going? They're going okay. I think I'm handling it well. Uh, I did find that I'm getting a huge course load in a lot of them though and I did actually drop one of my courses because of it. And part of me was like, is this just how university is? But after talking to people that had been in university, they were saying that their course loads were also way more than they had ever been before. So I've just, that's been an issue lately. But uh, overall, I feel like I've been able to deal with it well. That was Hannah Callahan and Renee Humphrey. And you know, here at Isolation U, we talked to nearly 90 students on the same topic. Wait, what? The Google survey we did. It was Morgan Bell's idea, and with the help of an old teacher of hers, Chad Ball, she managed to get through to some grade 12 students at Leo Hayes. As well, Isolation News' Peter Jewett helped design the survey and gave it to his brother who circulated it as well. Basically, we wanted to know if online learning is affecting how high schoolers are thinking about university. And what did we find out? Well, first of all, they made it clear that they have not enjoyed online learning experiences in high schools. Nearly 70% of them made that clear. But the bigger question we had was about university, of course. We asked, if you have been considering university, has COVID-19 and online learning in high school affected whether you plan to attend university directly after graduation? And... 
About 50% said it won't affect their decision, while 42% said it will. And the others were never considering university to begin with. Honestly, I was expecting more to be reconsidering their futures. But I guess 42% would still be concerning to university recruiters. What else did you learn? Well, just over 21% are contemplating a gap year, but I don't really know if that's more than usual. And nearly 90% said their parents will have zero influence on their decision. Uh, I'm not sure I totally buy that. Yeah, me neither. Anything that really stood out for you? Well, when we asked, has 2020 affected your attitudes towards the university experience? 70% said yes. Now, I'm not really sure what they mean by that, considering they don't really know what the university experience even is. Right. Maybe they're just thinking about partying in the S Club. Anyways, it will be interesting to see if the pandemic will really affect enrollment next year. As you may know, St. Thomas holds an open house where high school students, often accompanied by their parents, crowd into a room of professors to talk about their programs and perhaps decide if St. Thomas is the place they want to spend the next four years of their life. But of course, everything is different this year. Stu held its open house as an online event. I sat down with one of the organizers, Christy Flood, and started by asking her how going virtual affected participation. So we did have somewhat of a smaller group of attendees. We actually had our highest ever registration, which is an interesting kind of unexpected development. But we know that for our virtual events, we have a significantly higher no-show rate than we do for in-person events. So that certainly was at play. Uh, we ended up having about 159 student attendees. So just for some context, in pa the past five years or so, for our November open house, we usually can expect something within 5% of 200 students. So either you know, 5% fewer or more, but usually around 200. So it was a bit smaller, um, but again, had that more diverse range and student draw, which was quite exciting. Uh, we have noticed a bit of a shift in the recruitment cycle this year in general. So, you know, some fewer applications early in the fall, more later in the fall. So because of that, um, we're getting more people in the system a bit later than usual and are expecting a bit of a higher turnout for our February open house than November, which is the inverse of what usually happens. So fingers crossed that that is in fact the case. Um, what kind of feedback have you received from those who did participate in the virtual open house? To my surprise, the feedback we received for the event was comparable and in some cases even better than the feedback we received for in-person events. So people reported that they were able to get a sense to warmth and supportive, inclusive nature of our campus, even through their screens. And that was something that I was really worried about facilitating in a virtual event. Uh, we also received a great deal of feedback about how people enjoyed the length of the program, the extent to which it was engaging. So we presented information through dynamic panels and Q&As, for example, rather than just in you know static presentations. Um, and we even had some people who are commenting on how having this event virtually mitigated some of the barriers to accessing the open house. So not just international students who would usually be unable to travel, but also just the cost of gas um, and other factors that would usually prohibit some even local students from attending. So as a liberal arts institution, we love to hear that. We love accessibility and inclusion. And it definitely has led us to believe we're going to continue to have this type of event to complement in-person events when we're able to resume those as well. I guess that's like a nice change for the international students who are thinking of coming. Exactly. And even I had some students who reached out to me who have anxiety. Uh, it can be a nice introduction to post-secondary by just watching some students and professors on a screen and not having to necessarily engage with them in person. So I definitely think that there are a lot of benefits to this open house that I was not expecting, but am so happy that we discovered. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear.
Have there been any worries from students um, that you've heard of or like uncertainty about next year? Absolutely. I think this is true for our current students as well as our prospective and incoming students. So throughout the recruitment cycle, we have definitely engaged with some students who are hesitant and cautious about what next year may mean for their first year of post-secondary education. And we're especially hearing it, interestingly enough, from students in New Brunswick. And I'm thinking that this is because students in New Brunswick are engaging in online education to some extent, usually having an every other day of online education model. And some of them haven't had the most positive experiences with online education and thus are kind of transferring those experiences and worries to what next year may look like at post-secondary, which makes complete sense and is something that we're definitely trying to address and help them navigate. Awesome. And then along the lines of that, what would you say to students who are on the fence about coming to university? I would say the well-roundedness of Stu's liberal arts approach would help prepare them for the rapidly evolving world in which we're living and by extension, the rapidly evolving job market. I also think that a Stu education in particular helps to give students a sense of purpose and become part of an inclusive, diverse community in a time when it's really easy to feel siloed and separate and isolated. I think even online university has facilitated a sense of community for many Stu students. And, you know, finally, I think that a Stu education, even online, affords students lots of opportunities to obtain support and really benefit from having small classes. So I've had so many students this year and this semester thus far tell me about how supportive and flexible and really just above and beyond their professors have been. I think next semester we'll see a great deal of improvement. And no matter what the next academic year holds, I know that Stu as an institution is really dedicated to helping to facilitate a meaningful education for our students. Wonderful. That was amazing. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. That was Christy Flood. She's the Senior Admissions Counselor at St. Thomas. It's one thing to maybe be a little weary of starting university, but Jesse, do you know anyone who has decided that because of online learning they're going to just drop out? I know of a lot of people who have dropped courses this semester, and our reporter, Summer Arsenal, found a UMB student, Taylor Hines, who cashed in all her chips. I'm in my fourth year, so I've been at UMB for four years, and I've been excelling in everything I've done. And then this year, COVID hit, and it kind of turned my world upside down, not to be dramatic, but it changed everything I did, like with learning, how I learned, what I did, everything had changed, and it became quite a lot for me because I was trying to adjust to how it was now and changing what I was doing. Um... I became really stressed and I actually decided to withdraw from the semester um, just to look after myself and to make sure that I could go back to school. I am very big when it comes to interactions with teachers, with students, with anyone. My labs were canceled so I wasn't getting able to have that hands-on experience which I think is very important in a lot of fields. Um, and lastly, the biggest thing I'd probably say was that it was just tiring me out. I felt that I was doing schoolwork from eight in the morning until eight at night, like constantly day after day in the same room, sitting in the same chair. It was just tiring, it drained me. I was do putting in all this work and I wasn't getting the marks that I wanted. I felt that I didn't really know how to fix it or how to actually adjust myself and that made me be really stressed. And I know a lot of other people are going through stuff like this. Um, 
and it's quite hard because a lot of people don't want to make this that step that I did because it is quite a scary step to make with withdrawing from school but a lot of people need to understand that it's important to take care of yourself first. That was Taylor Hines. Do you know anyone else who has talked about maybe not finishing their degree? Yeah, Peter Jewett. Oh, really? I don't believe him, though. It's scary to go out into the big world without that piece of paper. But I do understand his point. Would we be better served by self-educating ourselves with information and courses online? Here's what Peter had to say. When I was in grade 12, I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. I did well in math and sciences, except for that 58 on my Chem 12 exam, but I found no joy in them. Luckily enough, my high school gave me a chance to choose a project of my own and get credit for it. Welcome everyone to episode 4 of The Overtime. Today we got some great topics to talk about, so let's get right into it. In today's episode, we're gonna when I listen back to that crunchy and distorted audio that I had no idea how to mix at the time, I'm reminded of the fun and fulfillment I got from the process. Researching, writing a script, then recording, editing, and finally uploading the podcast, it was all done by me. I loved it. I decided that after I graduated, I would go to St. Thomas, a small art school in my hometown, to pursue journalism. It seemed like the right step. By the time second year came along, I was taking all kinds of journalism classes, I was learning lots, enjoying the course material, and even writing for the school paper. Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting well, the, the U.S. the coronavirus continues to spread Breaking news in Ontario. The province has confirmed three new cases of the coronavirus. 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 COVID-19 posed a challenge for me. My school wouldn't be having any in-person classes. So over the summer, I convinced myself that online school would work for me. I'd have a lot more time at home, I wouldn't have to worry about commuting to the university and finding parking. The university was providing faculty and students with new tools, and professors had time to adjust their course material. I thought it was going to be all right. On today's online lecture, we'll explore the exciting world of the nut graph. I was wrong. Online school ended up being way harder than I ever expected. Staying home 24-7 was taking its toll on me. I missed deadlines, and I procrastinated more than I ever had. And believe me, I am a serial procrastinator. I ended up dropping two classes. In mid-October, I tried to pause and think long and hard about university. Was I actually getting any closer to my goal? So I took some time and did what any sensible person between the ages of 12 and 30 would do if they had a big question like this. A YouTube binge. You can learn almost anything online for free. You can take an online course and that'll cost around $100 to $200. Or you can go to Harvard for four years and that costs $200,000. This led me to think about how I can achieve my goal of creating sports media content without a university education. You don't always need a formal education. You can start your own blog, record a podcast, make YouTube videos. Maybe I can do the same. Maybe I can make a path for myself just by putting content out there and being consistent. Especially in journalism, experience is king. Writing, recording, and making contacts, none of that requires a degree. So where am I now? Well, I still haven't fully decided, but I've realized a few things along the way. Number one, university is a bit yeah, a lot, like an aging superstar who's overpriced and underperforms. And number two, I'm tired of sitting on the bench and looking at a screen. 
I just want to get in the game and play. For Isolation U, I'm Peter Jewett. Peter Jewett is a reporter here at Isolation U. Wow, I had no idea that was his case. I never liked taking courses in high school that, you know, were mandatory I wasn't interested in. And I had the same thing. I come to Stu and I'm taking courses that I love, so it's super fun. Um, you know, one of one way or another, the technology that we've all had to learn at university this year is going to stick one way or another. Yeah, I definitely think the main thing that will stick would be Teams meetings with professors for one. Um, it's a lot easier than scheduling office hours and going to awkwardly sit in their office and talk to them for 15-20 minutes. Um, to find out more, Isolation News' Morgan Bell talked about Kendra Haynes. She's the educational technologist here at St. Thomas. So in what ways do you see that this year might give us an insight to the evolution of universities? Well, universities have been on a path for many years of looking at different ways to deliver content to students, to attract new students, to keep programs running. Online learning in of itself, it, it does open up greater opportunity and greater access to students who might not be able to be physically here on campus. It could help students who are perhaps part-time students who are also working so they can find out ways to balance their work lives and their family lives and their learning. Um, but in the end, um, I think where some of its greatest impact is going to be in how it's integrated in after pandemic teaching is completed, um, whether instructors choose to continue to use certain elements of the technology. So using Moodle as a companion site for face-to-face -face classes where they're able to post up course notes, um, additional content, uh, readings, or if they're going to take a little more of an approach of flipping it over into a flipped classroom setting where students are able to watch um, lecture videos before they come to the classroom. So that classroom time is spent more on application and discussion versus having a, a lecture that is kind of going over the content that was in a reading or in a chapter reading. Um, all the way back around to some instructors might just choose to continue working completely online as if they find it's effective that they have this set of course materials now developed. So why not continue to use them and see how things evolve as we go through? Um, do you think that any of this type of like evolving should be a worry? And I mean, it, it, it's, it's something that, that, that everybody needs to embrace. I mean, this is our new reality. Um, if we start thinking about the skills that even we're learning right now, um, these are all great skills that everybody can bring back into the workforce. These are essentially our 21st century skills that we're learning at the same time as we're learning our even our own course content. So it's they kind of all go hand in hand, but I don't think it's an evolutionary worry. Um, it's kind of part and parcel of the course of how educational technology and teaching and learning are are changing. Um, and so is there anything that worries you about how this year may affect how students perceive um, university? Online learning in itself, I'm not too worried about how it's how students are interpreting it and how perceiving university. Um, online learning is equivalent 
to learning in a classroom. The same type of content is covered. Um, there's plenty of studies that have been done to look at the efficacy between and the differences between teaching in a face-to-face -face model and teaching in an online model and their equivalent. Um, the only thing that does concern me is kind of the perception on universities. Students are missing out on that social aspect. And I think that's what a lot of a lot of students are missing. It's a lot, a lot of us are missing. Um, it's our community. And is there anything that excites you about the future of learning? Well, the, fu the future of learning is pretty wide open. Um, as an educator, I'm kind of excited to see some of these newer technologies coming down around the pipeline for different ways to apply things. Um, I'm excited to see more areas starting to adopt um, greater use of artificial intelligence, um, augmented reality, um, virtual reality programs to kind of help students get that experiential learning in place. Um, the use of technology to help students collaborate, the skills they're learning, um, you know, it, it all depends on how, you, how, you're, how you're viewing how this technology is coming down. Like there's a lot of different exciting things that, that are available. It's kind of like the, the sky's the limit it's just a matter of looking at how can all of these things be integrated into our teaching and learning environment while still keeping true to the core fundamentals of the university. Awesome. Well, thank, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I know that you're probably very busy with your job because there's a lot going on now. So, but yeah, thank you for so much. Season. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> That was Kendra Haynes talking with Isolation Used, Morgan Bell. Remember way at the top of the show, we gave you that tease about the future of the university? You know, Prime U. Well, here's Alexa with more. I'm your guide, Alexa, and welcome to your virtual tour of Prime University. University of the Amazon Way, where we work hard and have fun. Where we don't so much learn as consume knowledge. We teach classes in all sorts of subjects from A to Z. Before we get on with our tour, a brief history of Prime University. Prime University was founded in 2022. At that time, the world was an uncertain place. The global pandemic had just ended, and universities didn't know what to do next. Students had now become accustomed to online and universities had no choice to continue offering classes online, but with the same high tuition. Dean Bezos saw our opportunity and began Prime University undercutting the competition and putting the business before gradually increasing tuition until it was roughly the same as before. But Prime University offers all sorts of benefits that universities of the past could not. For example, here is our state-of-the-art production studio. And cut! Oh boy. Our classes have the production values of Hollywood movies. And right now, you're watching our advance well, The Shakespeare with Leonardo DiCaprio. You said Shakespeare. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. That was, and that's what I mean by scare me. Yeah. Evil yeah. Hamlet scares yeah. people. All right. Oh, and by the way, mm. Beaner Brunk. Thanks to our infinite budget, we have hired the best in every field. By the way, we've just signed up Steven Spielberg to work on an intro to thermodynamics. 
we have Neil deGrasse Tyson in astrophysics, and of course, Dean Bezos teaching an introduction to online retail. Okay, all right. we're we all good. Don't need to go again. No, we're done. That was fantastic. All right. Okay, moving on. We're in the board. We now. also have the largest online campus bookstore, Amazon. Remember, you get a discount with your Prime membership. And this year we are introducing Alexa Academic Advising, a 24-hour academic advising service where you never need an appointment in advance. Oh, you get what I'm saying? Did you say your lental health is affecting your online dependence? What? No, why would anyone say But don't worry, you won't lose that old-fashioned college experience. We have now created Whole Foods Meal Hall, serving up that traditional meal hall food at a Whole Foods near you. This concludes our quick tour, any questions can be posted on our forum. We hope you join 200 million students and choose Prime University. But let's be honest, the in-person ones are too expensive for you to attend, and do you really want to attend Irving Academy and have to eat at the big stop? But you have no choice but to see us next fall. Well that was put together by Lars Schwartz. That sounds fun. I'm looking forward to 2022 Prime University. How about you, Jess? Honestly, Jamie, after listening to that, I can't wait till we're back in class in person because that just does not sound fun to me at all. So Lars, that was a parody. A lot of fun. But now, you're here to discuss the future of the university and whether institutions like STU or UMB will even have one. How much of that was an exaggeration? How much of it was based on actual predictions? Yeah, so there were obviously some exaggerations there, uh, and hopefully things don't get quite as dystopian as what uh, I wrote in that little bit. Uh, but most points in there were based on, on real predictions, that many universities are suffering financial stress and have had to cut programs. And in Pennsylvania, some smaller universities are planning to merge into two larger schools. Some small liberal arts schools might not make it and others will be eliminating any department with low enrollment. Some experts are saying that the academic landscape is becoming Darwinistic, and uh, it's going to lead to survival of the fittest. Many agree that students are going to continue asking for online classes after the pandemic, which if you think about it, it makes sense. Some students will have relocated and uh, may not want to have to move back to their university town halfway through their degree. But surely the whole huge corporation taking over was made up. Yeah, that was actually a prediction uh, that was made by John Kroger, the former president of Reed University. And when you think about it, it's not really too far of a stretch. Many of these corporations are already in the education business. Uh, we all use Microsoft Office and Outlook every day. Uh, Google has Google Classroom and we're working from a Google Docs document right now. And uh, they also offer their own IT certification programs in partnership with the online learning program Coursera. Uh, and companies like Amazon and Apple are already in the business of creating digital content and could easily shift that towards creating high production digital classes. Uh, the question is whether or not governments would allow these corporations to have any more power over our daily lives than what they already do have, uh, especially after the antitrust hearing this year in the United States. That's so crazy to think about. How do you see this impacting universities like St. Thomas? 
I think this could have a big impact on schools like St. Thomas, uh, especially if more students leave school or decide not to come to university at all. According to the operation budget, um, there was a projection projected enrollment of 1,760 fee-paying students, uh, but there's worry that COVID could erode that number. Plus, the university is projecting a loss of nearly 2 million because of the loss of residents and conference fees. That's going to be difficult to make up, especially as cash-strapped governments start wrestling with the huge deficits they've been ringing up during the pandemic. And there's increasing pressure for schools to become more job training oriented. Uh, so King's University College, an affiliated university, uh, well, college at Western University in Ontario, is offering a job guarantee. So how it works uh, is they guarantee you'll have a job after graduation or else you can go back to King's University College uh, and they'll pay up to one year of tuition for you. And the Higgs government here in New Brunswick have signaled that they'd like universities to line up a little better with the province's employment needs. That can be tough when you're a liberal arts university like Stu. Where we're getting into experiential learning, some of the vocation-oriented programs here at Stu, like journalism, have shrinking career prospects. Maybe we could see a UNB and Stu merger. But on the other hand, John Kroger mentions that universities may be able to survive by carving out a niche. Maybe Stu could find a niche of students who need smaller classes and a more one-on-one -on -one experience. I know I prefer the one-on-one -on -one experience. Any points that were not discussed in the satire at the beginning that you think are also important to mention? Yeah, one thing I didn't mention is the withdrawal of international students. This is actually not totally tied to the pandemic, but because of worsening relations between China and Australia, China has said they will no longer recommend students study in Australia. Uh, the United States, under the Trump administration, has also made effort to cancel the visas of Chinese graduate students. In both countries, Chinese international students are the largest group of international students and have a direct impact on universities' financials. So who knows, maybe it could be the end of that gravy train of foreign tuition fees. One way or another, do you think the university experience will be significantly different five or ten years down the road? Universities have, we mentioned this earlier in the show, but universities have been around since medieval times. And this is not the first time that we're, we're talking about them being in danger or being threatened. Um, it's a step in life and a cultural touchstone. And a lot of people still consider it an important stepping stone into the middle class and even an important just step in life. That piece of paper still counts. But it is the first time that the infrastructure is really in a place to transform what the university is and where we study from with just the internet growing and more and more people having access to a reliable connection. There will be more online universities, but I, I can see cheaper universities um, for most of us going online and expensive campuses, in-person campuses may also stay around, but they may be reserved for the elite. Uh, like universities like Harvard may survive because they've had generations who have been going there for years and generations with lots of money. But maybe a good comparison is newspapers. When newspapers went online, it just made the big ones more powerful and hurt the small local alternatives. This was all great information. Thank you so much, Lars. No problem. Great to be here. 
Hey, Jamie, next year's our grad year. Where are we going to be in a year's time? Well, hopefully we won't be doing commencement online so we can all be together. Yeah, I don't care what kind of world we're entering. I just want to graduate. I hope when I think back to university, I don't think about how much this has felt like a waste of time. But that's just hoping. Preach it, sister. Anyways, next week on Isolation U, we'll be looking at student activism during a pandemic. I'm Jessie Sonier, and for Jamie Humphrey and all the crew that helped us put this show together, catch you next time. Isolation U is a production of the digital journalism class at St. Thomas University and the Aquinian.